You are listening to Your Blessed Life Podcast, episode number 33. In today's episode, I've got a guest that's coming on, and we're going to talk about, quite frankly, some tough stuff, but some tough stuff that will help you to move through, or someone in your life that you know, to move through a difficult season in life. We're going to talk about how you move through trauma, grief, loss. These are tough subjects, but in different seasons in our life, there are subjects that are real. And we're going to go over these three different areas, and we're going to talk about how to intentionally move through this difficult time. And today's guest has seen it firsthand. She's got some really good insights that she's going to share with us. I know it'll bless you. I can't wait to share it with you. And it's coming up right now. Let the stories and teachings of today's top Christian leaders inspire and move you to releasing God's best for your life. With your host, best-selling author and certified Christian life coach, Jay Marsh. Welcome to Your Blessed Life. Hey there, Jay Marsh here. It's great to be with you today. I want to welcome you to this episode of Your Blessed Life. I want to get right into today's show. I have a featured guest for you today, and you might recognize her name because she's been on the show before. Laura, Laura Bratton. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me back. You bet. It's my pleasure. I knew in the middle of our interview, our first time interview, that I wanted to have you back because you said so many things that I knew. I say knew. I I, want to try to be humble and say, I think, but I really knew. I knew people needed to hear because I hear it around me. And that's this whole idea of helping folks through through adversity and through trauma. And I know as a trauma coach, that's something that you do. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you come back on the show. So thanks for coming back on. Thank you for having me. So Blessed Nation, I just want to kind of reintroduce you a little bit to Laura, refamiliarize you with her, and then we'll get right into the episode. So so Laura's from Greenville, Greenville, South Carolina in particular. She's a pastor. She's a chaplain. She's a coach. And let me tell you, she's an overcomer. And you will get to see that in our conversation here today. If you haven't heard Laura's story, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode 28. We're not going to get a whole lot into her story per se. However, we might dip into it as we talk about some of these different keys here that'll come out of her book. But her story will bless you. It might bring a tear to your eye and it'll probably bring a, a, a smile to your face at the same time. The reason I had Laura come back on the show today is Laura recently published her first book. And her first book is called Harnessing Courage. It's overcoming adversity with grit and gratitude. And so I wanted to talk about those things with you, Laura. So are you all right if we kind of maybe talk about two or three things that come from your book today? That'd be great. I guess the first thing that comes to mind is because there's a lot we could talk about in this book, but there's three things that I want to talk about that are all kind of linked together. And I want to kind of give everyone here at Blessed Nation like a 10,000 foot overview of what they are, and then we'll break them down. So this first thing is suffering. And the reason suffering, I think, is so important for us to talk about it because so many people are going through it of one one kind or another. The next thing is grieving 
And then that final thing is gratefulness. And so we'll all kind of intertwine those together. So are you all right if we talk about those three things, starting out with uh, with some suffering? That'd be great. Good place to start. And, you know, I think about suffering, Laura, and I think about, well, why would we want to talk about that? You know, I mean, that doesn't sound like it's a fun conversation, but it's a it's a conversation that we need to have because I think that folks are going through stuff and they're looking for answers. And in particular, I think that folks are asking this question and I'm going to, I'm going to pose it in the form of a question to you. And that is in suffering, whether it's, it's clients you've coached, whether it's folks that you've ministered to, or even in your own life, when you're going through that suffering time, have you ever found yourself asking, so where's God in the midst of this? Yeah, both for me personally and working with people in ministry. That is typically often one of the first questions is, where is God? And also the other question of why. Why is this happening? Why me? So the questions of why and also the questions of, so where? Where is God? Or or also, when is the suffering going to be over? When is this going to, to end? So those those questions are healing to ask, but also bring a lot of anxiety. Well, so how how do you so if someone's coming to you, and maybe from a point of reference from your some of your own story, but if someone's coming to you and they're saying, I am going through such a difficult time right now, I don't know how to get through it, I don't know how to approach God with it. I don't even know if I should approach God with it. I don't even know if I should ask God, if, if, is this okay to question where you are in the midst of my, my suffering? How do you respond to something like that when someone comes to you with that kind of stuff? So my first initial response is acknowledge it. And I love the fact that you're starting with suffering first, because what I found, again, both in my own life and working with people, if we do not acknowledge the suffering, if we do not address the suffering or talk about the suffering, getting to the place of healing is much more difficult and takes a much longer time to get to a place of healing and acceptance and being able to move forward. So being in that place of suffering it is vital that we acknowledge it, that we acknowledge this type of suffering, that we talk about it with obviously a person who is safe. And also give ourselves the space to ask those questions, to be angry at God, to cry, to ask those questions that you just addressed. Those, you know, why is this happening? When is this going to be over? Why is God allowing this to happen? Where is God? Asking all those questions gives us permission to feel the difficult emotions. Yeah, that's interesting that you say permission to feel, because I think a lot of times we try so hard to avoid the feeling that we don't want to acknowledge it because we don't want to be in the presence of that feeling of suffering. So we, we don't acknowledge it for that reason. Right. And the problem is that when we don't acknowledge it, it grows because it's that concept of, I don't need to feel anxious. I can't feel anxious. I really don't need to feel anxious. So the more you think about it, the more it grows. Trying to push it away actually increases it. We're just acknowledging, I'm really anxious. 
this is making me really nervous or this is making me really sad, whatever that difficult emotion is, giving ourselves permission to sit there and acknowledge it decreases the feeling. That is so good. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I think that we visualize that it's going to be something so much bigger than it is. So we try to avoid it. You know, it's kind of like the whole idea of fear, right? You know, fear is this invisible monster that we try to avoid and it's always bigger and worse in our mind than it ends up being. And I don't think this acknowledgement is any different. It's worse than reality. Okay. So this whole idea of suffering, if we're going to be okay with asking God, you know, are you, are you here, Lord? Uh, Why did this happen to me? So if someone's asking this question and I really want to put it back in a form of an answer that comes from you, because I realize that every answer may not be perfectly aligned with everyone's suffering, but for your your suffering, when you've gone through a difficult time and you've asked God those questions, when you look at, I'm going to use your personal story. You know, folks haven't heard your personal story. I'm going to give them a little insight into that story. And that is that most of your adult life, you have been blind. And so for you, when you are sitting quietly by yourself way back when, as you're bringing yourself through this and you look at scripture, you look at friends, you look at family and they've gone through stuff. They've gone through illness and sicknesses, but some of them have been healed. I just think of the Bible and all the healing that Jesus did. Have you asked yourself, why not me, Lord? What about me? For me, it was always the when question, the not necessarily the why, but when are you going to heal me? So that's why I brought that question up previously is that was my specific question of, okay, when God, are you going to heal me? And I would love to love to share a story that perfectly illustrates that. So as a teenager, as I'm losing my sight, as I'm adapting to life now as a blind person, as that label with disability. And you go to church and you hear these messages of God heals and God restores. And that wasn't my reality. And like you mentioned, Jay, there are so many stories in the Bible of God healing, specifically God healing people who are blind. So the story of Jesus putting mud on the guy's eye or the man seeing trees and then when being able to see, you know, there's just multiple stories about people who were blind and then were instantly healed. So it was a Sunday night. I'd been to church that day, been to youth group that night, and I was trying to get ready for the week and just mentally prepare myself for, you know, going back to school and and starting the week. And I was so frustrated and overwhelmed and anxious why is God, when, when is God going to heal me? When is this going to happen? Why is it not instantly like in the Bible? So it was about nine o'clock at night and I picked up the phone and I called a mentor of mine. I called Martha and Martha was a member of my church. So she had been there that Sunday in worship. And so I thought I'm going to pick up the phone and talk to Martha. So I called Martha and she answered and I said, I've got a question for you. And I want you to give me the answer. And (laughs) she said, okay, you know, I'll try my best. What is your question? And I just started sobbing when she said that. And I said, Martha, 
all these stories in the Bible about healing. I'm losing my sight. Why and when is God going to heal me? Why am I not like those people in the Bible that God's just instantly saying, you're healed, you know, wake up tomorrow and, and you're healed. Why is that not happening to me? And in my head, as I'm saying this to Martha, as I'm crying, as I'm overwhelmed, I'm thinking in my head, it's all going to be better when Martha says, well, I'm so glad you asked that, Laura, because today in church, God gave me the words that you're going to be healed tonight. I wanted some answer from Martha that was a direct answer, that was a direct correlation. And Martha took a deep breath and she started crying as well. And through her tears, she said, Laura, I don't have an answer. I don't know. What I know is that I'm here supporting you, encouraging you through this process. I wish I could give you an answer. I've struggled with that same question for you. And so I'm going to sit here and be with you in the process. However, that long that process is. And Jay, what I realized is that was the true answer I needed. That was the real answer because that answered my question of where is God in the suffering? God was in Martha's words. What I, I didn't need to know an exact time and date. Is God, God going to heal me? That wasn't the real question. The real question was, is God with me? And Martha gave me that answer. Mm, that's good. It actually allowed you to pre-frame, pre-frame so you could find the real question that was in your heart. And that is, yeah. is God with me? Yeah. Is God with me? Wow. And is, where is God in my suffering? God is right there. God is, is with the family and the friends and the support that is with me every day, empowering me. That's enough. You know, I think allowing kind of goes back to a point that you made well ago. And that point was about acknowledging the suffering. I think when you allowed yourself to acknowledge that suffering, and then you did something that's so critical, you reached out. You reached out to someone that could give you support and someone that God could work through to show you that he is still on the throne that he is there with you in the midst of this suffering. And then it got you to, to a place where you could reframe that question. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Because like you said, it, it gave me that just to acknowledge it, just to ask that question and acknowledge it rather than keeping it in my head, like I mentioned right. before, and it growing, being able to say it out loud to another person was that release. Yeah, and I think sometimes you mentioned this earlier. I think sometimes when we allow that to come out of our mouth and stop just swimming around in our head and we're, we can be with it and we can be with it for that time being, then we know that we, you know, God has built us and God is with us in a way that we can be with it in the midst of it. Right. Instead of wondering what could happen, we allow ourselves to be in that moment and we get to experience what is happening. Exactly. Embrace the moment rather than expecting something different, but accepting, accepting what is. Wow. You know, praise God for support in our 
in our life. And for you at that moment, it was Martha. So would you consider that I'm, I'm reflecting back in my reading of your book? Would you consider Martha one of those life jacket moments? Is that the, yes. is that the term that you use? Yes. And I actually, yes, I started talking about those life jacket moments. I think shortly after that story, because it was, I, I felt like I was drowning that I didn't have support. Again, I did, but in my head, I felt like I didn't. And she was that life jacket that was able to remind me that indeed I did have support and I did have what I needed to not only survive, but to move forward. So let's expand this notion of the of the life jacket for just a little bit. I mean, you gave a good example of what that is, but when you reference this point in your book, these li- having these life jacket moments, do you have maybe a specific uh, grouping of these life jacket moments that we can look to as props for us to buoy us up? You know, when we're, you know, trying to dog paddle our way in the water, if you right. will. Yeah, so the way that I explain and experience the life jacket moments is those feelings in the suffering, as we've been talking about, whatever that suffering might be for us, as we feel like we're overwhelmed with anxiety, the sadness, the grief, all the anger, all the difficult emotions that are painful to experience, those can be overwhelming. So the life jacket moments, Are those people, places, sometimes it it can be nature, animals, whatever that might be that comes along with us, beside us to offer support. That might be just a moment, you know, just a kind word from a stranger, you know, when we're having a difficult day, or it might be the ongoing support of a loved one, of someone who's close to us. So, It doesn't matter. The life jacket moments aren't defined by a specific situation. Rather, the life jacket moments are those people and places and events that support us when we feel like we're emotionally and spiritually drowning, trying, as you said, trying to buoy ourselves up. Yeah. And I think think that acknowledgement tip, that acknowledgement, I'll call it a tip that you gave us a while ago. I think that's also a good place to insert that here. And that's on these life jacket moments. If we will acknowledge these life jacket moments as what they are, they're like steps of faith. It's like these things that we can step on in the water that lift us up, that lift us out and that support us. And then we bridge them together and they create the support system that literally pulls us out of the water. Right. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah, I sure I sure resonated with the, those life jacket moments because I think it comes down to giving credence to them, giving validity and that acknowledgement to the power that they have to lift us out. That's what I got from your, your the different stories that you talked about in those, yeah. those life jacket moments because we're looking for them. We just need to acknowledge them as soon as we get them. Right. Just like in that example that I shared with Martha, I could have received her words and been upset that I didn't get her an answer and and been upset about that and been more anxious because I was so focused on the exact time for my suffering to end. Or I could look look at that as, like you said, a life jacket moment to stand on and be my foundation of support to continue to move forward. Yeah. Amen. I think that's a... 
it's a nice transition point for us. And these two are so closely related, Laura. And that's the second point that I wanted to talk about. And it's when folks are going through stuff, you know, a common thing that aligns itself with suffering is grieving. Sometimes they're completely separate from each other and sometimes they are connected. But grieving is one of those things that folks sometimes don't know if they should. And sometimes folks have a hard time knowing when they should be done, <laughs> which is kind of a, an odd thing, odd way to look at it. But I'm so excited that we're going to talk about this topic. And I really believe that it's divine timing because of this story. And, and, and you and I talked about it just a little bit, just a little while ago before the show started, but I want to bring it back up. And so you and I had already had this episode scheduled. We had already talked about some of the points that we wanted to discuss. And then that was set to the side. And then I'm sitting in my office the other day, Laura, busy at work. There's not a sound around and my office phone rings and on my caller ID is a lady that is a member of the church that I used to pastor with. I haven't spoke to her in like two years and I see her name on my caller ID and I instantly recognize her name. And I'm like, oh, how cool. So I pick a phone up and I talk to her and I really believe it was a divine appointment because she needed a life jacket moment. She was going through some stuff and for her, it was grieving. She was grieving the loss of a loved one. And she was grieving hard. She was grieving deeply and she was having a hard time getting out of it. So we spent some time together. Although I'm not a, a grief coach per se, you know, being a pastor and counseling folks through stuff, I, I had a, a good place to begin, but I couldn't help but to think about you wondering what, how you might coach someone through this moment. So I wanted to kind of turn it around a little bit and form it in the form of a question. So when you have folks come to you or when you yourself have been going through grieving, how does one move through that season of grieving and come out the other side? That is such a good, a good question. And like you mentioned, there's not one direct path or timing. Again, the first where grieving starts is what we've mentioned before is acknowledging. So acknowledging the loss, acknowledging like for the example that you had shared, the lady that you were working with for her to acknowledge that death, that, that loss in her life. And not only just that specific person that died, but all those other losses that come with that person dying. So all the memories they shared together, all the, the activities that were related that she was a part of that related to that person. There's so many other losses, including the death of the person. So to start the grieving process, again, just acknowledging the death. And as we've talked about before, sitting in that suffering, giving yourself time to feel that exhaustion, to feel that just that weight of the grief, just to sit in it and then to use, to tap into the person's community of resources. So the spiritual resources, the emotional resources, if that's a counselor or a coach or, and even just family members, family members that you can be able to share memories about the loss, memories that you can laugh together, you can cry together, share frustrations. So acknowledging it, sitting in the suffering, 
and then taking the time to move through it and not putting a timeline on it. So in three weeks, we got to be done with this and I've got to be moving on with life. Not, <laughs> not to put a time on it because that's harmful. Then you, you force yourself and we will grieve forever. If it is a close loss to us, we will continually grieve forever. Obviously, it won't be as intense, but we will grieve. So not to put a timeline on it, but to give yourself again, like you've said, permission to continually grieve. Yeah. And I think that instead of doing that, whether it's grieving or suffering, we find ourselves thinking about what it could be instead of experiencing what it actually is, which prevents us from moving through it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, something that you shared in your book that I know is a tool to help move through both suffering and grieving is this notion of being grateful. And I love that you talk so much about it because as you know, in my, in my format of the show where we talk about faith and hope and promise, the last couple of questions that we ask, one of those things I like to ask are, what are you grateful for? What are you praising God for? Because I know how that takes the focus off of us and it puts a spotlight on God, on all that he's done, on all that he's doing, and even all that he will do. And it's that reminder that God is still for us, that he's not against us, that he loves us and he wants his absolute best for us. And I love that you have taken that notion and you have come alongside suffering and you have come, come alongside grieving and you have combated it isn't the right word, but you've, it's like bringing love up to it. You just put that gratefulness up against that grieving and you just love on it. You put that gratefulness up against that suffering And you just love on it with the gratefulness of God. So I want to ask you, how does gratefulness give us opportunities to act as kind of a support system when we're going through through difficult moments, at least in, in your experience? Yeah. Gratefulness is a tool that helps us heal as we grieve. So gratefulness is not... Minimizing the grief, it's not saying, oh, I can't grieve, I can't be sad, I can't be angry, I can't be lonely, I can't be frustrated or anxious. It's not minimizing or taking away from the pain. Rather, gratefulness is coming alongside the suffering, coming alongside the grief to help us, to give us a healing framework. So a lot of people think when we think about gratefulness that we think about, oh, I've just got to walk around all the time saying, you know, praise God, praise the Lord. Everything's good. You know, only focusing on the bad and not acknowledging or focusing on the good, not acknowledging the bad. And so I make it very clear in my book that for me, gratefulness has been a healing tool that helps me recognize the support around me and also gives me that place to feel the suffering. So it's not minimizing, it's not taking away from the pain of the situation. And I think that's big, again, because we're not discounting the reality. It kind of goes back to that first point that we keep coming back to. The acknowledgement or the permission of what we're experiencing is the beginning of that healing process. 
then we come alongside of it and we express our gratefulness and our thankfulness as a, as a tool to move through it. You know, I love how in your book where you were talking about gratefulness, I don't recall what, what chapter it's in. You might be able to kind of direct me where you talk about how living a life of gratitude is possible by showing actions. It makes me think about, you know, it's funny how, you know, when you're, you know, you're getting ready to have this experience. In this case, it was this interview, the things in your life all start to point to this experience that you're getting ready to happen. And so I have, I had this happen as I, as I reflect on that statement I just made from your book, I had that happen in that call that I got from that lady as she was grieving. And I also saw it come up even this morning in my reading time. And I wanted to share it with you because it is just another exclamation point about the power and the importance of this idea of gratefulness and having a a motive of gratitude. And I believe that this this notion that you talk about in your book of, of being grateful and how it comes alongside grieving and suffering, I believe it leads us to a place of right believing, and then that lines us up for right living. And so there's this old time pastor from the 1900s. His name is Charles Spurgeon, and he, I think he had his church in, in London. Uh, he was a huge church, a massive church, and he was a wonderful man. He w- had all the acknowledgments of all the other pastors of his time. He was even considered the prince of, of preachers. He was a, a well-respected guy. And he talked about this idea of gratitude. And I want to share this little excerpt that he said, which I think in his own words, I think it nicely sets the stage for the importance of having gratitude, especially in moments of grieving and in moments of suffering. And this is what he said. There's nothing like a belief in my eternal perseverance And the immutability of my father's affection, which can keep me near to him from a simple motive of gratitude. And so I think about, I think about to myself, that's why Laura's talking so much about gratefulness in her book as it relates to going through these challenges is because when we're grateful, it brings us near to him. It reminds us. Of our foundation. It does. And it takes our eyes, even for just a moment, off of being strictly on our situation. Right. And being on the the awesomeness of God. Yeah. Holding our situation in the light of, of God's power, in the light of God's love. So for those of us that are going through some stuff in our life, maybe it's grieving. Maybe it's suffering. They were coming to you and they were sitting next to you and you were there, Martha. (laughs) And um, like your friend, Martha, not Martha from the Bible, (laughs) your friend, Martha. And they were saying, Laura, what advice do you have for me? What counsel do you have for me? What word do you have for me? As I'm going through this difficult time of of grieving or suffering, what would you tell them? Two words. Thank you. So I would encourage them, go through their day saying thank you. Saying thank you, not necessarily always out loud to people, but saying thank you 
for what they are grateful and thankful for. So to stop and and even what we so often take for granted, especially here in America. Thank you that I have running water, that I have electricity. Thank you that I have, whether that be family, friends, whatever the community is, those people that support me or person that supports me, saying thank you for that. And also cultivating that habit of saying thank you to others. Often we get so busy or so stressed or so focused on our situation, we forget to say thank you. So thank you to to those people that we interact with on a day-to-day basis. So that would be my first advice. And that was the advice that was given to me that I found so helpful was to begin by saying thank you. Well, again, I think that notion of being thankful and speaking it and saying it is the moment we need to take our eyes off of ourselves. Right. And that reminder that we have so much to be grateful for in the midst of the suffering. Again, that doesn't take away our suffering and pain, but alongside that suffering, alongside that pain, being thankful for what is there. And that that looks different for different people. For some people, it works better to physically write it down, to keep a journal. And I've, I did that for a long time. And that was very helpful to actually write down every night events and people and situations that I was grateful for that day. So for some oh, people, that's good. it's helpful just to write it down. Other people, it's helpful to say it to others. Other people, it's helpful just to just to think it, just to become aware of it in your mind. So again, like the life jacket moments, the method is not what's important. What's important is cultivating that life of gratitude. Sounds good to me, Laura. You know, there's several things that sound good to me that in your book that I'd like for us to, I wish we had time to talk about. And I've got your book right here so I can, I can cheat and look at it. But there's a couple of things that you talk about that I just want to share with Blessed Nation that align themselves with this idea of bringing gratefulness alongside suffering and grieving and it's living into your strengths and gifts. And I think, I think that's something that we need to have brought to our attention is for us to know these God given talents, gifts, strengths that we have that we can use to not only have a better quality of life, but to even glorify and honor God to a way that only we can because of the way he designed us. There's another couple of sections in your book that I just want to kind of give a quick little shout out because I want folks to to really be intrigued by these things that you can fully embrace the present reality of whatever it is that you're going through and live your life in a way where you can experience life without waiting for something else. Uh, and I know you talk about both of those in your book. So if folks are looking, Laura, if folks are saying, man, this Harnessing Courage book, and I know we've just scratched the surface of it, how to overcome adversity with grit and gratefulness sounds so interesting. Where do folks go to, to check your book out? Where do, you, where do you have it? Where can they find it? So you go to Amazon to get either a print copy or it's on Kindle as well. And then also Barnes & Noble and then through my direct website. If you go to my direct website and click on buy directly, I will be more than happy to sign it before it's mailed out. Oh, cool. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I'm going to be sure and I'm going to put a couple of notes 
on this episode. So whenever you go to the Your Blessed Life website, I'll have some of these links that, that Laura's talking about if you're on the go and you can't remember exactly where to go to get them. So I know I got my copy on my favorite place, Amazon, and that way I can take it with me wherever I go. It's been a blessing to me to read it, um, especially getting to know you and your story beforehand. There's this, there's something very special. So Bless Nation, if you haven't heard Laura's first visit that we had back in episode 28, and if you're thinking about getting her book, I want you to listen to that episode first because you will be able to connect with her in a way when you read that book that you're just going to feel like she's right there with you. I know that's how I felt when I read the book. So, Laura, I sure appreciate our time together, and I'm grateful that we got to spend a few minutes to talk about really some tough stuff, but I think it's stuff that that folks quietly are wondering about, and I'm, and I'm glad that we had the opportunity to talk about it. Well, I appreciate this opportunity because, as you said, it's tough stuff, but it's the, the difficult things that people are often hesitant to ask or to talk about. So I appreciate your willingness to, to talk about it. Well, I know it's real because, I mean, just I'm getting random phone calls on it. You know, I mean, I I know it's real stuff because people have different seasons in their life where they're going through either very difficult times in the midst of suffering or or grieving. And so having these ways to go about going through this is huge because sometimes you feel like you're alone. Sometimes you feel like you're not understood. And being able to have a process to work through it is huge. And I think your book does a great job of that. Well, Blessed Nation, I'm, I'm grateful that you got to spend this time with us today with Laura and myself as we kind of walk down this path here, going over this harnessing courage idea through Laura's book. And I hope you've enjoyed the episode. And if you have, I want to invite you to subscribe to the show and or to rate and review it. You can go to iTunes and type in Your Blessed Life and you'll see a rate and review tab. I would love to get your feedback. I would love to know how this show has blessed your life because it's my every intention that this show would do just that and at the same time that it would honor and glorify our Lord. So, Blessed Nation, until we get the opportunity to come back together again, I just want to leave you with this. I want you to remember that God loves you and He wants to bless you. Uh, Laura, any any parting words for you before we sign off? Thank you. Thank you, Jay, just for this opportunity. And then just as you encourage everyone, I encourage everyone to, to acknowledge the suffering, to acknowledge the grief, and allow the, the gratefulness to be a healing resource. Amen. That sounds good. Well, Laura, it was awesome to get to connect with you. Thanks so much. And I can't wait for our paths to cross again. 